Good morning, everybody. Today, we're we'll be learning Daf Samech Zayin in Maseches Kiddushin. Yeah, for Ilan Nishmas and Chaim Zemelinowitz, and also the Bad Chaim Tovim and Ruchim. So, Shchus for all Achin and Kol Beis Yisrael. Let's start in the middle of Samech Vav and Beis. That's where Andrew likes to start. I'm a retarfon. The question is like this: We had a we had uh, a machlokus between. Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Tarfon. We're going to bring it back to Kiddushin. Don't worry, Goranowitz. But the question is like this. When a person goes into a mikvah, uh, and last we checked, the mikvah was kosher, but at a certain point we check again, uh-oh, it's not kosher. So let's say we checked it two years ago, it was kosher. Every two years we check it. And now when we check it, we see it's not kosher. Not kosher, I mean not enough water, less than 40 saw. You need to have a requisite amount. So, Rabbi, what are you going to do with everybody who was toivel in the mikvah for the last two years? Like, when did this 40 saw uh, become deficient? When did we lose this water? So Rabbi Tarfan says, well, let's just assume that everybody up until now was kosher. And Rabbi Kiva says, no, we have to assume that everybody, since last we checked for the last two years, was not toivel in the mikvah. So then we said, wait a minute. How is that? How does that make any sense? Rabbi Tarfon says, well, the, mik- the, the mikvah has a cheskas kashras. The mikvah last we checked was kosher. So we have to assume it was kosher until proven otherwise. Rabbi Kiva says, well, every individual that went into this mikvah last we checked was tamay. So he has a chazaka, so to speak, of being tamay until proven otherwise. And so you can't uh, remove that chazaka of being tamay with a mikvah that we don't know whether it was kosher or not. Okay. And then they compared it to a ben grusha and ben chalutza. Right, that when it comes to a Kohen, this is the analogy, when it comes to a Kohen who does Avoda, if he finds out that he's a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, right, so a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza is not allowed to do Avoda. So what, what do you do? He would not be able to go ahead proactively and start doing the Avoda now, but every Avoda that he's done until now is in fact considered valid. So maybe you would apply that, says Rabbi Tarfon, to the mikvah. Just like a Kohen that finds out that he's not fit to do the Avoda, all the Avoda he's done until now is valid. So similarly, a, a person who's tovel in the mikvah finds out that the mikvah was deficient. Uh, every tvila, right, that had been done by people for the last two years, it should be valid. However, Rabbi Kiva says, there is a counter analogy to that. In the very context of Avoda, there is an mashal omer makavah gabiyam ezbeach, if instead of finding out that he's a Ben Grusha or Ben Chalutza, he finds out instead that he has a Mum, right? A Kohen with a Mum is also not allowed to do an Avoda. And when it comes to a Mum, he in fact has to assume that whatever Avoda he did is possible. So perhaps that is more similar, right? A person who goes into the mikvah. Maybe he's not like an, a Kohen that finds out that he's Ben Gershom and Chalutza where his tefillah is presumed to be kosher. Maybe he's like a Kohen who found out that he had a mum where his avoda and, and by analogy his tefillah is presumed to not be kosher. So now Rabbi Tarfon learns this analogy from Rabbi Kiva and, a, and an amazing conversation ensues. He wants to really dig into the lumdus of Rabbi Kiva. And says Rabbi Tafron, I'm Rabbi Tafron. We both have an analogy between a person who's tovel in a mikvah and a kohen. We're going to bring this back to Kiddushan soon enough. Be that as it may, he says, Let's see which analogy is a better comp, as they say. 
What's a better comparison? Ben Gurshim and Chalutza or a Balmum? Says Rabbi Tafrani, Domel Ben Gurshim and Chalutza, and Domel Ben Gurshim and Chalutza. He spells it out, right? He says, we're going to sit down and we're going to really figure out which is a better comparison. If it's going to be Ben Gurshim and Chalutza, then we're going to say that the halacha is that everybody who's been Teufel for the last two years in this mikvah is, is Tahar. But if it turns out after our analysis that this coin is more similar to Balmum, we will judge him accordingly. And so, Rabbi Kiva started explaining as follows. He says, What's a yachid? Rabbi Kiva explains. When an Eid Echad, and we went through this yesterday, Barry, an Eid Echad comes and says, hey guys, the mikvah is deficient. That's not something that you need formal testimony of two witnesses and based in for. That's just information, right? That's just a dude explaining to you what the reality is. So that only requires a single expert witness, right, who's actually measuring, okay? Similarly, a Baal Mum, so it'll How do you tell a Baal Mum, right? You have a, a person who's a, uh, whatever, a mumologist, right? Check the guy, and he says, this is a mum. You don't need to have, right, uh, witnesses for that. That's not a, again, right? That's not a witnesses in court type of thing. That's just an expert wit- uh, opinion type thing, okay? So, the mikvah and the balmum are thus similar, says Rabbi Kiva. And, says Rabbi Kiva, al yochiach ben gushav ben and Ben Gushim and Chalutza, says Rabbi Kiva, is a different thing. When somebody testifies with regards to a offspring of a union, right, as being an inappropriate union between a Kohen and a Chalutza, or a Kohen and a Grusha, which we know the Torah says is, is uh, Isser Lav. So when that testimony goes down, that's a testimony on a Davashab Erva, which requires what? Ain Davashab Erva Pachas Mishtaim. That's not just saying, hey, I happen to know that I have uh, records in the registrar that this is a Ben Gusha Ben Chalutza. That requires formal testimony. So now you see how we're going to bring it back. So that's a Davish Shabbat time. So in the context of this discussion between Rabbi Tarf and Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva pointed out that the Ben Gusha Ben Chalutza requires witnesses. Well, the mikvah doesn't, the mum doesn't, and it's for that reason that Rabbi Kiva wants to compare the Kohen with the Mum, who we know that everything heretofore was puzzle, to the person who went to the mikvah should also be treated that way, and every uh, tefillah up until then should be puzzle. Rabbi Kiva is not done there. Davar Acher, Rabbi Kiva continues. He says, Mikvah psula begufo, Balmum psula begufo. You know, the mikvah, the disqualification is in the mikvah itself, whereas a Balmum, the disqualification is in fact, again, a blemish in his body. Okay, so what's the difference with the Ben Gushim and Chalutza? Says Rabbi Kiva, "Vayochech Ben Gushim and Chalutza shepsula me'acherim." A disqualification. You would never be able to see a, a Grush, Ben Gushim and Chalutza on the street and know that he's a Ben Gusha or a Ben Chalutza, right? He's the starkest guy in Sheer, right? There's nothing uh, inherently deficient or wrong about him, other than the fact that the union of his parents was illicit. So that's what Rabbi Kiva is saying. He's saying, you look at a, at a, at a deficient mikvah, there's something wrong with the mikvah. You look at the balmum, the, there's something wrong with the balmum, right? You look at a Ben-Gushim Chalutz, there's nothing wrong with him. That's external factors, baby, from the past. That just has nothing to do with his actual goof. And therefore, for those reasons, for the two reasons aforementioned, the fact that the mikvah is something that you only need an expert opinion on, 
like a mum. And the fact that it is something that is right on the body, right, that has something to do with the mikvah itself or the person itself. Those things are very much an analogous. Ben Gushim Chalutza, that requires two formulaidim. That has to do with your past. It's not intrinsic. And it's for those two reasons that the person, the mikvah is more similar to the Balmum and therefore every tevila up to now should not be kosher. And this is Rabbi Akiva explaining his reasoning, showing his work, as it were, to Rabbi Tarfan, to which Amalei Rabbi Tarfan, Akiva, you are the man. Anybody who dissociates from you, it's like dissociating from the tree of life. I don't know what I would do without you, man. Uh, you are amazing. And Rabbi Tarfon here is extremely uh, gracious in accepting Rabbi Akiva's analysis. Okay. So now, after I said all that, let's think about this again. We just said, Wait a minute. How is it, what are the circumstances where a single witness is going to actually talk about a Baal Mum? Either Kamak Chishla, so if the Kohen, let's say, right, <clears throat> Andrew goes over to a Kohen and says, you're a Baal Mum, and the Kohen says, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm not. Me Meheman, would Andrew really be believed? No, nobody would believe him. The Kohen would be believed. Ela de Shosik, it must be the case is, in other words, what was the case of a Yaid Achar by Baal Mum? It must be a case where where an Eid Echad is saying something and the Kohen is, right, staying silent. And that seems to indicate that this is a case where uh, Eid Echad is in fact believed where the Balda, right, the Baldin is, is Shosik. Rava then says, Now we could say by a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, Okay, where where are we, we where we? Okay, Goranowitz doesn't know why we're killing ourselves here. The the question at hand, Goranowitz, yesterday was I didn't want to bring up that you weren't here yesterday, but the question at hand from yesterday was that what do we say about Ben Grush? What do we say with regards to Davar Erva when you have a single witness? Where usually we say in Davar Erva Pachas Mishtaim, but there are. The, oh, oh, wow. Why would he lie? What does he have to gain by saying the wrong thing? Um, that's a good question. So you're saying, well, that's really part of the question. The question is, you're saying, if he has no reason for us to not believe him, so then, well, why wouldn't we just believe him? Why? And the answer is that sometimes when it comes to, and it's really the crux of our question in a sense, sometimes it has to do with believability. And you're right. Right when you have an expert and he's totally impartial, and the issue is believability, then yes, you are correct, Quranans. We do believe him. However, there are some scenarios where there's something called like a like Some scenarios where it's not a matter of believability; it's a matter of we need two formal witnesses as part of the process. So says the Gemara. When it comes to Ben Gushim Chalutza, just like in the case of the Mum, it has to be a situation where he's shasik. Where the Baal Davar Shasik, so too, in the case of Ben Gushim and Chalutza, if you're going to keep the cases uniform, it has to be that the Khan remained silent when he was accused of being a Ben Gushim and Chalutza. And yet, the Brysa says, And yet, we said that the Mikvah and the Balmum are going to be puzzle. And therefore, In other words, we said that in that case, you had a Ben Gushim and Chalutza. And we said that it required two witnesses, not one. Yeah. 
Do you understand how we brought this home? Listen to the, Rava's analysis. I mean, what a genius. His analysis is as follows. Despite the fact that all the cases in our Brisa were cases where the person was Shasik, the Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza was still not presumed to be enough with one witness. That's what he's saying. That we still assumed Rabbi Kiva in his analysis was talking about Ben, ben Grusha Ben Chalutza having two witnesses. Okay. So, and again, it's despite the fact that he was Shasik. So now we see just because the Baal Din is tacitly agreeing, so to speak, by being quiet, does not mean that with Ben Gershom and Chalutza, one aid would be enough, which seems to imply that you would require two aidim in order to have a testimony by Dovish uh, as like this, even in a case where the Baldin is tacitly agreeing. This is Rav approving his case against Abaya. You might recall, Abaya thought one aid would be enough. Rav said you need two aidim, and this is the proof, this, uh, this dialogue between Rav Tav and Rav Kiva. Really, what I can tell you is that maybe the coin was in fact contradicting him, and it's for that reason that you needed to witness the Kamar So then, why is the witness then believed? Again, in the case of the Balmum, huh, why would a single? Why would Andrew be believed to call some guy out for Balmum? Right. So we assumed in Rava's analysis that it was because the Balmum was Shasik. It must be that he, that 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 the coin was not answering. No, that's not necessarily the case. Maybe. He did contradict Andrew. However, the Amarle shlach achvei, because because Andrew could say to the guy, you know what? You say that you're not a balmum. This is not something that is like kind of up for debate. This is we can examine this, right? Take you know, take you into the examination room, close the door, and let's go. Let's let's do a full full body examination, and then we'll know whether you're Balmum or not. So it's something very verifiable. Once it's verifiable, so then we believe Andrew regardless of what the coin says. The coin can deny, can deny it all he wants. But Andrew still has a good taina because if he sees a mum, he's a mumologist. He knows whether it's a mum or not. And everybody can just verify it. So therefore, it says, Right, and that's what's alluded to when in the, in, in the continuation of the Bryce that we say that a mikvah and a Balmum those are disqualifications, what? That are verifiable. Those are easily recognizable, right? Disqualifications. As opposed to That's what we meant when we said when you look at Ben Gushim and Ben Chalutza, you cannot tell that there's any mum. But certainly when you look at the mikvah or the person, you can. Okay. Says the Gemara. Ben Gushim and Chalutza, Vosok Minalan. Wait a minute. So... Now that we've had this discussion, right, Abaye, uh, Rava said his piece, Abaye defended himself, and now we're just going back to, circling back to some of these halachos. Wait a minute. How do we know that a Ben Gusha Ben Chalutza, that his avoda should be kasher? In other words, now we have an alternate source. The source is that the Pasuk says that when um, Hashem gave the kahuna, right, to Pinchas and his children, he said, said, lo, it sounds like any of his offspring, says the Gemara, any of his offspring would in fact be uh, able to do the Avodah, whether the Kasher or Apostle. Avodah Shmuel Amar, Avodah Shmuel said it's from a different source, it's also bracha, when you give the brachas to the Shevet of Levi, you say, which is like an allusion to the word Chulin, right? And still, you deeds of your hand. I mean, you read, you read these brachas, you don't really know. It's very homiletic. It reads like Mishlei. You don't really know exactly what it means, but you can tease out of that 
that the folia dov is the avoda, the chelo sounds like halal, which uh, all adds up to afilu chulin shabo tirzeh, that even when that you have a Right, Ben Gushim and Chalutza, his avodah would be accepted. Rabbi Yana Yama Mehacha, Rabbi Yana had a third source, a pasuk which says, Uvasa la Kohen Asher Yeba Yemimahem. Right? So this is uh, talking about, uh, where was this? This is in Dvarim again. You should go to the Kohen who will be there in those days. Yeah. You go to the Kohen, right? Asher Yeba Yemimahem, it says, You're bringing Bikurim to the Kohanim. You have to go to the Kohanim that are there. In those days, says the Gemara. What are you supposed to do? Go in a time machine and go to the Kohen of different days? Like, how else, which other days are you supposed to go to? Rather, the fact, why does it say by Yemimahem? It's speaking of someone you assume to be fit. And then you found out that he was a chalal. In that sense, right, it's, uh, it's, it's similar to, to a mikvah. <laughs> this is what my son, Chef Rami, pointed out. Yechmiel Lavi, we were going over this. He says, it's similar to a mikvah in this way, right? You went into the mikvah, and then you found out later that the mikvah was no good. But still, it's going to be kosher, right? So similarly here, right? Uh, that would be true with Ben Gerushim and Chalutza, or even with Bikurim. You found out that the person, the coin that you brought the Bikurim to, you found out that the person who did the Avodah was a Ben Gerushim and Chalutza, or that the person you brought the Bikurim to was not a real full-fledged coin. He was a Chalal. He had some issue. Still, the Bikurim count, the Tevila counts, and the Avodah counts. Amazing. Now, the Gemara simply asks, Baal Mumi What's the opposite of the Baal Mum? How do we know that his vote is possible? Again, with Pinchas, right? Tell the children that I'm giving him my bris of shalom. Says the Gemara, Shalom sounds like shalom. After all, peace has to do with shlemus. When people feel whole, there is peace. May there be peace, right? We, we daven three times a day at least for peace all over the world especially in Israel. So Shalom alludes to Shalom, which means the Bamun would not be, right, would uh, not be kosher. Says the Gemara, Shalom, because it doesn't say Shalom, it says Shalom. Says the Gemara, Amar of Nachman, the Vav, the Shalom, Ketiyahi. Wow. And you look at the word Shalom, you'll see that the Vav there is severed to teach you, ironically, that it means Shalom. I just say ironically because the Vav is not Shalem in order to teach you that the word Shalom is alluding to the word Shalem which teaches you Abba if he's not Shalem can in fact uh, not do the Avodah. You need to be Shalem in order to do the Avodah and we know that. We know even in Duchening, right? There's halachas. I don't know if it relates to this where he has to be Mekubal the person has to be Shalem the person has to be also have Shalom with the congregation can't be a guy who everybody you know has issues with. Okay. Yeah, may we have peace among Klal Israel. Okay, mission on the bottom of Samach Vav and Beis. Andrew, we got this. Stop giving me the glare. 553, okay. You know, when there's an illicit relationship, speaking of which, there's like bad ones, there's like Shidduchim that are a bad idea, then there are ones that are like really kind of not even mutter, they're usser, but the Kiddushim will be tofes, and then there are ones that are really whack, and the Kiddushim are in tofes, and those are off the charts. So the, the mission now is going to discuss some of the applications of this. So says the Gemara, Mishnah rather. So let's say there's no Avera, but it's a weird Kiddushin. Or even it's not weird. Usually the Vlad Holechachar Zachar. What does that mean that it goes after the male? Don't we go after matrilineal descent? 
Yeah, we go by matrilineal descent to say who is a Jew. But ve'ezuzet, what's the what's the mission talking about? Zukohenes levia ve'israelis shenirely kohen levi v'israel. Oh yeah, when it comes to determining uh, whether he's a kohen levi v'israel, as Rashi says, lemishpechosam levesavosam ksiv. Right, that is going according to right. That's why you guys are Israelim and I'm a levi. No offense, you know what I'm saying? It has to do with the father, patrilineal descent, as far as that status is concerned. Okay, you'll notice the structure of the mission. The Gemara is going to go all over this. It says kol makom. Sounds like it's including something. That language sounds like it's excluding something. Yeah, that's going to be the whole Gemara for the rest of the day is, is this list exhaustive? The list right now just mentions Koen Levi Yisrael. We'll see if that applies to any other thing. It's case number one. Kosher and kosher, case number one. Case number two. Um, okay, so the Kiddushan is Chal, but it's a Lav, it's an Iser. Havlad Olech Achar Hapogum. So there, you don't go by the father, but you go by the most blemished party. What does that mean? So again, same language of kol makom and ezezeh. We are familiar with this list from all over Seder Nashim, which we are not so far away from finishing. That again, a kohen gadol is not allowed to marry a widow. Uh, famously, we know a, a kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee. And an Israel is not allowed to marry a mamzer or a nasin. So if one does so, so then the child is going to be considered a halal, right? If it's in the case of, if it's in the case of kehuna, or a mamzer, it's in the case of an Israel with a mamzer or a nasin. And similarly, bas Israel le mamzer ve nasin, right? So that's true whether the coin marries, uh, um, uh, the, let's say the Israel marries a mamzeris, or the moms are married as a Bas Yisrael. Either way, right, you're going to have that issue. But obviously, we're not, uh, we're, we don't flip it in the case of the Kahuna because that's a Bas coin can marry anywhere she wants. Um, okay. So now the final third case, again, we're using language an inclusive language, um, and we're going to say, so here, she can't marry Kiddushan with a particular man, and that Kiddushan won't even work with that man, but it'll work with other people. The Vlad is Mamzer. There you can have Mamzeros. What's the case? Again, the limiting situation of which one are we talking about? Yeah. If it's an Erva, so then the relatives can't marry this woman, and the marriage wouldn't even work. And if there was a union, there would be a child, and that child would be a Mamzer. But, you know, if a non-relative married, that's how it's supposed to be. And that would certainly be okay. And finally, somebody who nobody can marry, no Jew can marry this particular man. Uh, okay. The offspring would be like the wife. We're going to get into this. If you have a Vlad last Rashi and Sabachavan Bez, like Evet Shishichar Obalav, Kasher Mutter Beisraelis. This is an unbelievable thing. Well, what this means is like this. Let's say you have a shifcha. The shifcha gets pregnant and has a child. That child is considered like his mother. In other words, when you have a shifcha or a nachris who gets impregnated, when she has that child, that child would be considered a shifcha or a nachris. But here's the rub. The child can convert and it'll be kosher. In other words, Barry, in a way, there's an irony here. 
a mamzer would be worse, so to speak, because the mamzer, that kind of status carries on to generations, right? If either dad or mom is a mamzer, kid will always be a mamzer. You can't convert out of that, right? But if mom is a shifcha or a nachria, she's a shiksa altogether, so to speak. It's a derogatory term. Then what you do is she could have a child. The child would just be not Jewish, right? But once the child converts, right, she, that child is a full-fledged Jew. He can marry anybody he wants. He's like, he can go to any shiva he wants. So the point is a mamzer can't get rid of that status, but a non-Jew could by converting. That's the point. Okay, so now we get to the Gemara. The Gemara says, so again, we had the first list was, um, right, was the coin life of Israel, right? And the second list was the Grusha Vichlutz, the coin Hedjim, and of Israel. And all of these lists, are they exhaustive or not? Says the Gemara, Kol Makav Sheish Kiddushin, Abelay Rav Shimon Lebri Yochanan, Klalahu, is this a cloud? The call Makam Sheish Kiddushin Ve'ein Avera Havlad Holachachar Zachar. Is it really true that every single case uh, where it's a totally kosher marriage that there's patrilineal descent? Harei Ger Shenosam Amzeres as we arrive Sabach Zayin, and it's not even six o'clock. Oh, so much time. Ger Shenosam Amzeres. Right. Let's say you have a convert, and he marries a Mamzeres. The Yesh Kiddushin Ve'ein Avera. So wait. A mamzeris can't marry a Jew. Can a mamzeris marry a convert? This explains Rashi, the first Rashi in Samach Zayin. Yeah, Rabbi Yossi thinks, thinks so. Rabbi Yossi thinks that this is of Lo Yava Bakal. This is in Dafayin uh, Gimel. We'll see it soon enough. He holds that the Isra of Lo Yava Bakal only applies to uh, non-Gerim. So that's like a little loophole that a Ger, according to Rabbi Yossi, can in fact marry a mamzeris. Okay. Well, then according to Rabbi that's a case where there's Kiddushin and there's no Avera. And yet, certainly the child will be a Mamzer, right? Because we already said that Mamzer, you carry it with you. So then our list in the Mishnah isn't exactly correct, right? It's not really true that every case where it's kosher, according to Rabbi it's not really true that every case where it's kosher, you're going to go and after the father. Yeah, that we have a Bryce that supports that, Diver Rabbi Okay, so then our Mishnah doesn't sound like it would agree with Rabbi Yossi. So I'm going to say, Masisa Rabbi Yossi? Who said that our Mishnah has to be like Rabbi Yossi? Masisa Rabbi Yehudahi. Maybe our Mishnah is simply like Rabbi Yehudah. The Amar, Gersh, Loisa Mamzeris. Rabbi Yehudah says that there's an Isra for a Ger to marry Mamzeris, just like there's an Isra for a regular Israel. Vyesh Kiddushin, Vyesh Avera. So it's true that the Kiddushin would work, but there's also an Avera. And therefore, and we've already said in our second principle in the Mishnah, that when there's Kiddushin, but there's an Isser, Havlad Olechachar Pagum. Now the Vlad will go after the Pagum. That was our case, a, a Nasin and a Mamzer. So uh, according to Rabbi Huda's Shita, where it's also for the Ger to marry a Mamzeris, our, our Mishnah is very consistent with Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Gemara of yeah. But there's also the case, uh, so if that's the case, so then maybe this case of the of the. Uh, of the Ger and the Mamzeris should appear indeed in the second right list in our Mishnah. That's what it means, Vindisne. So mention that. And then if you're indeed Rabbi Yehuda, throw that in, throw it in Rabbi Yossi's face, so to speak, uh, in, in order to confirm that that's the case. Says the Gemara, no. Tana, that, that we kind of are mentioning it because Tana Kol Makam, the Sefer Suye. In other words, call makam, and we're going to see this all over the stuff. Then when we say call makam, right, every one of these cases, categories, was preceded by a call makam and followed by with the <laughs> So the call makam is an inclusive phrase. So it perhaps was meant to include the gear with the mamzeris, right? That's why call makam meant. Once you say call makam, not every list has to be exhaustive. 
Once you say kamakam, then we're just giving you an example. Okay, that's the point. Okay, so the Gemara says, or alternatively, you could say that really we all like Rabbi Yossi. And then, again, at the end of the Kalmakam, we had a Kalmakam, then the phrase, and then the Ezizu. So if you hold like our Mishnah is like our Biosi, so then, in fact, a Ger is allowed to marry Mamzeris. And when, the, and when the Tana says, in which case is this, he was excluding, right, the case of this, you know. So in other words, he says, for example, Kalmakam, when a, uh, so again, when the mission says Kalmakum that a, a marriage is totally kosher, it's going to be patrilineal descent. And then it's going to say Ve'ezuzu, it means, yeah, but that's only true of Koin Levi Ve'ezral. We mean to exclude the case of a Garrett and a Mamzeris. In other words, maybe Rabbi Yossi could be the author of the Mishnah. And when he says Ve'ezuzu, he means that it's true in almost every case, but the Ve'ezuzu means that there are exceptions to this case. Okay? There are exceptions to this, to this, uh, to this rule. Right? The rule is that it'll go by the father in a case where everything's kosher. But the Ezezu means that that's only true for Kohen Levi Yisrael, but there are exceptions. What is the exception? A ger with a mamzeris. Okay? So it's the Gemara, Ve'ezezu v'sulo. Wait. So when it says Ve'ezezu, so that sounds like it's only the Kohen Levi Yisrael. And what? There's no other cases that would apply to the first category? Says the Gemara, You know, when you have a Ben Gusha Ben Chalutza, let's say, you have a Chalal. He can marry any, he can marry Abbas Yisrael. He can marry a, a regular Jew, Jewish girl. Like, he could be the best guy in Shear. Like we said, this is not an intrinsic gam. Um, you know, a Chalal can get a Shidduch. There's no Avera there. Right? And indeed, the offspring follows the male. So are you trying to say that, there, that this is an exhaustive list and Ve'ezazu is only excluding the Nasin and the, the, the Ger and the Mamzeris? That's not true. There are other cases that should also be included. So the Gemara Holokasha, yeah, maybe he holds like Reb Desai Ben Yehuda, who actually holds that what? That the offspring of a Chalal and a regular Israelis don't become uh, a Chalal. And that's why he, he, he omitted the case because they don't follow the male. In other words, that's the point. If he, if he became a halal, if the child was considered a halal, so then that would be true expression of patrilineal descent, like a Kohen Levi Yisrael, right? In other words, like a Kohen Levi Yisrael, the son becomes a Kohen Levi Yisrael, let's say. But if he's a halal, the son should become a halal. Well, if that's not the case, right? So then that's why it's excluded from the case, okay? However, the Gemara says, wait, but Yisrael should what if you have the female halal, right? And Yisrael marries her. That's yesh kedushin ve'in So certainly if Yisrael marries a halala, even, right, uh, Rabbi Dosayib and Rabbi Huda would say that the Vlad could be a total Yisrael. Right, again, you can't be a Yisrael halal. You get it, Barry? A halal means a puzzle coin. So if Yisrael married a bas halala, the worst it could be is just a regular pashat Yisrael. Like you guys again, no offense. So if so, so then in that case, it's pure patrilineal descent. Nothing happened. The dad and the son are exactly the same. So why is that case not mentioned in the Mishnah? It says Tana Kol Makom Duration Lasuye. No, it says Kol Makom is to include any case. Kol Makom was to, supposed to include that case that was not expressly mentioned. Okay. So then again, Venisni Behedia. So, but if that's the case, right? So why isn't it? Uh, explicitly teaches in the other cases. 
Because a regular Jew in a Chalala, he couldn't teach it with the other cases because it didn't flow. Why didn't it flow? Because Hechi Nisni, how are you supposed to say it? Kohenes Vilavia Vizrael is Vachalala. What's going on here? When you like, when you say the descent of a Kohen Levi Vizrael, you like to mention all three, right? So what are you supposed to say? Kohenes Levi Vizrael is Vachalala. Shnis is the Kohen Levi Vizrael. It doesn't make any sense. You have the daughter of a Kohen Levi Yisrael or a Chalala, and then she's married to a Kohen Levi Yisrael. That doesn't make sense. Vachalala, Kohen Michazia. Because after all, a Chalala, right, is not fit for a Kohen. So when you Memorize these Mishnayas, you try to have some symmetry. And since it sounds funny and you don't have symmetry, that's why we can't do Chalalata Kohen. So the case of the Chalalata Kohen was left out, right, because the, uh, what Art School called the conciseness of expression, right? It doesn't flow with, for the tongue. And therefore, it was for that reason that the case was left out. But you might be, you might have gotten me on a technicality, Barry, that a Chalala can marry Israel and indeed would fit with the first case of where the child would be Israel, just like Tati. Okay. Be that as it may, let's keep going with the list in the Mishnah. You know, there's a case where, uh, there's another case where the condition are kosher and the offspring should follow the male. What's the case? Oh, yeah. You know, you're only supposed to marry for a Mitzri, the third generation. Third generation means you have a Mitzri and you converted. Mitzri is allowed to convert to Judaism. But you're not supposed to marry their offspring for a little bit until the third generation. So what if you have a second generation Mitzri, marries a first, uh, a first generation Egyptian woman? Okay. Bna Shlishi Have. Amazing. Her son is considered to be what? The offspring of the Tati. Not the offspring of the mother. In other words, even though the mom was first generation Egyptian, you could still marry the offspring of that child because the tati was second generation, which means the child is third generation, then already he's mutter. Wow. Well, that should have been mentioned in our Mishnah because according to Rabbi Barchana, you can marry such a person and in fact, it goes after the dad. So that's a great, uh, a great application of our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, Yeah, that's what we said, to include that case. Okay. So what's Rav Dimi going to say? Rav Dimi Sheni Havi. What about Rav Dimi who says that it's really matrilineal descent when it, is, when it comes to determining whether it's the second or the third generation? Yeah, so that's why we say Tana Ezuzu Lamute. That's why we say Ezuzu, to exclude that case. So you see, we can always get out of it. The Kol Malcolm is inclusive. The Ezuzu is exclusive. And so all these cases, we're going to say, we're going to blame it on either the Kol Malcolm in other words, anytime you're going to say, why didn't we mention this case? We're going to say, well, Kalmakam included it. You say, okay, what about the, the, he who holds that it is not true that this case should be included? We say, well, the, 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 uh, Ezuzu excluded it. Okay. Fine. Okay. Another case. We're going to keep going. When Ravin came from Eretz to Bavel, he said in the name of the great Gadol from Shir in Eretz Yochanan, Ba'umos Halech Achar Zachar. This is, this is like, he said over this Shir, this is a cryptic statement. We're going to tear it. We're going to um, uh, unpack it. When it comes to the nations of the world, you go after the male. But if they convert, you go after the more blemished one of them. We're going to go over what this means. Okay. In other words, uh, we'll see. So again, when it comes to uh, the nations, that we're going to, we're going to, what do you mean nations? 
So you're saying when a non-Jew marries a non-Jew, it's this patrilineal descent? What's the case? We'll talk about that. But again, if they convert to Judaism, then if there's one of them that had a blemish, now that blemish is going to have to be, uh, that, that blemish, once in this guy route, there's Kiddushin, as Rashi explains, and there's no Avera. So what's the blemish? So he says, uh, we're going to explain the, what the blemish might be in the Gemara, because as we know, there are certain cases where even though, right, the, the union is mutter, there's still something that, that you carry for generations, namely what? This idea of being either me benos, right, Amon Moav, as we'll see, Amon, or again, we mentioned the Mitzri, so let's, let's unpack it. The Gemara says, Tana Ezezulim Ute. Again, the first thing that we're trying to say is that this is a case where the union is mutter, as Rashi explains, and there's no problem. The Kedushan is good and the union is mutter, and yet it's not mentioned in our Mishnah. Why is it not mentioned? Says the Gemara, Tana Ezezulim Ute. Right, the Ezezu of the, of the Tana is to exclude that case. So, hi, Mai. Now the Gemara is going to say, wait a minute. Uh, are we talking about Rabbi Yossi or Rabbi Yehuda? Let's talk about this. And then we're going to circle back to explaining what we're talking about here with the non-Jews getting married. First of all, let's say you hold that our Mishnah is like Rabbi Yehuda, right? Where Rabbi Yehuda has to say, that when you say, right, according to Rabbi Yossi, right, the, the Mishnah was precise. According to Rabbi Yehuda, you already have to fall upon this being an inclusionary phrase. Okay? So once you say Kolmokom is inclusionary like Rabbi Yehuda, so therefore Yisrael Shinasa Chalala. So therefore we said that that included in Yisrael, now we're doing a review of Chazara, that's Yisrael Shinasa Chalala, and that's what Kolmokom is including. Okay. And according to Rabbi Barachana, Ezezulim Ute, and according to Rabbi Barachana, right, which we said that Ezezu comes to exclude, right, from the general rule. They're of Dimi Raravin, right? And in those cases, they're of Dimi and Ravin, again, Chazara, Kolmokom, the Seifal then when we talk about Kol Makom, that's in the second case, and we talked about that's where it is actually including that it follows the blemished, right, uh, party. And Ger Shinasamam Zeres, which is what? The Ger Shinasamam Zeres. As we discussed already, the Ger that married Imam Zeres. This is all good with Rabbi Yehuda. Well, but if you say that our Mishnah is indeed precise, and we hold like Rabbi Yossi, then we're having a difficulty interpreting this part of the Mishnah because call Malcolm the Resha, because what would be, right? So again, when it comes to the Resha and you say call Malcolm is an inclusionary phrase, so that will be Kida Amran, right? Because that, according to Rabbi Yossi, would follow a regular Jew and, and a Chalala, right? Um, and again, if you look at the art school, they have these charts to show you, right, where the gaps are, both in the first category where it's totally kosher, and the second category where the condition is tofes, but it's not kosher, right? And you see these gaps aren't comp- uh, completely filled in, both within Rabbi and according to Rabbi Yehuda. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, you see that the case is in the second case. What are we saying when we mean Ezezu? According to Rabbi Yossi, right, we have problems with all, both cases of the second category, with Kol Malkom and Ezezu, right? Kol Malkom de Reisha, Amran, Ezezu. In the Reisha, it makes sense, Kedah Amran. Ezezu, Amran. And Ezezu, in the first case, also makes sense, just like we said, right? Again, the first case would be the Jew and the Chalala, this, and, and the Ezezu is talking about the second generation Egyptian, as we talked about. However, El Kol Malkom de Seifa, right? So really, we have an issue with Kol Malkom and Ezezu of the Seifa, according, right, to Rabiosi. Says the Gemara, Tamech, Rabbi Yehuda Ezezu, the Seifa Lamali. He says, you know what? Again, you have a gap you're talking about with Rabbi Yossi, but we have a gap with Rabbi Yehuda also. And you see in the chart, that gap is, again, in the second case, what do you do with the Ezezu? 
And that's what the Gemara says. The Rehuda Ezezu, the Seifa Lamali. Says the Gemara, Ela Aidi, the Tana Reisha Ezezu, Tana Seifa Ezezu. Right? So the Ezezu is not a problem, that, right, exclusionary phase, because that was just meant to, meant to be symmetrical. In other words, it was never meant to apply to Rabbi Yossi. It only meant to be symmetrical. And that was true of Rabbi Yehuda, and that would be true of Rabbi Yossi also. That's what the Gemara means. It says, Hachanami, That just like it says, in the Reisha, it says, in the Seifa. And that's how we explain what not, not every and not every Ezezu have to be completely accounted for. Be that as it may, we just explained the structure of the Mishnah. But let's ask the question itself. What did we even mean when we talked about the unions of non-Jews? So that's what the Gemara goes on to now. It says, Gufa, the case, that shear that Rabbi Yochanan said in Eretz Yisrael. Remember, what did he say? He said that in the nations of the world, there's patrilineal descent. And if they convert, you go after the one who's the more pagum, who has the Right, the, the stain on the family, so to speak. The, the status that, that gets carried over. What's the case? Says the Gemara. Who cares about the patrilineal descent of non-Jews? This isn't even considered a Kiddushin. What's going on? Says the Gemara. What's the case? Somebody from the seven nations of Canaan, right, is with a Canaanis. And, they, and that Knanis has a child. So the idea is like this. The Knanis, are you allowed to keep the Knanis alive? Says Rashi. In other words, when you, any one of the seven nations are called Al-Shem Knani. Knanis, right? Well, there is a din that if it's a female Knanis, you have to kill them. If it is a male then mutter lachiosam. Well, what if a male from one of the umas olam? Uh, what if a knanis is pregnant with the child of a non-seven umos man? Ata rasha liknosu beevet means you can keep him alive and keep him a slave. This is at a uh, time where this is one of the least PC gemaras we've ever learned. Talmud Omar vegam ibnei hatoshavim ageri machim antiknu. In fact, the Torah states from the children of of residents, you are allowed to purchase slaves, which is to say. Again, when we were cleaning out Eretz Yisrael, we, we had to, the, the females were in Lotachayu. You couldn't keep them uh, alive, but the males, you could. So, Yachol Af Evan, you may have thought that even in the case of a, of a Evan Kanani, Shabal Shifcha Mina Umas, Veoli Ben, right, that if he cohabited with somebody from like some uh, French girl and had a child, Shatarasha the Knosub Evan, that you're allowed to have an Evan. Which is to say, children who are born, right, like Rashi says, right, says Rashi. Right, so again, if, right, you have a shifcha here, and the mother is one is, is a shifcha kananis. And she's with a French guy. That right is going is what the pasuk is referring to, right? So the offspring of the non-Canaanite Gentile is according to the father. Oh. So if the father is just a French guy, so then that's going to go by patrilineal descent. That's what Rashi is saying. Therefore, that's what we mean. 
In other words, there are cases where even though nobody's Jewish in this case, it matters whether it's patrilineal or matrilineal descent because when you have the father is not one of the Canaanites, then even though the, the mother normally was not supposed to be uh, kept alive in that case, we allow it to keep the child alive because we go by patrilineal de- descent in that case. And that's what it means we say we go by patrilineal descent by the guy. However, the, continuing with the statement, Nitzgairu, once there is indeed a conversion, then halachachar pogam shebishneyem. Then we're going to go after the more pogam. What does that mean? Bimai, what's the case? Ilem and mitzvah shenasamonis. Wait a minute. Are we talking about a mitzvah that married an Ammonite cover, uh, uh, ger? Well, and there it's going to go by the father who's a mitzvah? My pogamika. What blemish is there? Uh, after all, Ammoni velo Ammonis. Don't forget. The Ammonim, and this was a big deal with the, right, with, with Rus also, Hamoaviyah, right? This was a super controversial uh, thing back in the day. The, what's the descent? The women were supposed to be okay, but they had a real big blemish on them. Very hard for them to get a shidduch. That's why Rus has to go with Boaz and there and begat David Amelech. Would be that as may. Ammoni certainly is a problem. The Ammonis is not a problem, a convert. So therefore, right, there's no pugam when, when the mother is an Ammonis. So it has to be, it has to be when the male was an Ammoni. Well, they are a problem. So if a male Ammoni marries a Mitzris, right? So then that's the case where you carry on the status of being an Ammoni. Right? So here, because the Ammoni is the male, then the father, the kid's going to be considered an Ammonite, right? Uh, an Ammoni. And However, if the offspring is a female, huh, then it goes after the mother. Because why? Because the daughter, it's never a problem that she's a Moni. So therefore, she's going to go after the Egyptian mother. In other words, there is no problem for a male to be, to, in other words, if there is no problem for a female to be an Ammoni. So what's going on? Tati is an Ammoni. Right? And mom is an Egyptian. So if the offspring is a son, then it goes after the Tati, because that's a problem. That's the more blemished party, right? Ammoni is worse, because you can never love a Bakal, right? Whereas if the child is a daughter, so then she's an Egyptian, because the daughter as an Ammoni carries no stigma, right? Uh, but if she's an Egyptian, you have to wait another generation for the child to love a Bakal. So there we so there we go up to the Mishnah in the middle of Saimakhzaino Bayes where Bezat Hashem we will pick up tomorrow.